Because of the inheritance of the nature of sin that we received from Adam and Eve, we all think we belong in God's place. We have an irrational belief that we are God. And that is why judgment is an irrational disposition of the heart. We are playing out the fall of humanity every time we judge somebody. Because we're saying, I'm God. My opinion, my preference, my presumption is true. Pastor Daniel approaches a difficult but necessary topic in today's message. Judgment is seen everywhere, and it's sadly one of many people's first responses to a given situation. Pastor Daniel warns us that by passing judgment on someone, we're putting ourselves in the place of God. We're in essence claiming that we have the right to set standards. God has already made a standard, and without Jesus, none of us would ever measure up. Now here's Pastor Daniel with part one of his message. Hey, don't judge me. You know, we live in a culture here in the West in the 21st century where it seems like judgment and criticalness is the norm. I was looking online and I was reading some articles about the Olympics. But it's amazing because, of course, the Olympics, it is a story. And so the media goes crazy. And, of course, we live in a day and age with a comment section on every article, right? And it's amazing how many people have opinions about people who are doing things that they could never do if they tried. But, you know, sure enough, you read the comment section and everybody's got an opinion, right? And all of them are negative, as if they could even jump anywhere. You know what I mean? Most people break their leg if they jump on a trampoline, let alone try and jump seven feet. But, you know, it really speaks to where our culture is. Because we're in the West and we, everybody has an opinion. All of our opinions are important because we're important. You know, you have a show like American Idol. You know, where it's like these people are up there. And once you get into actual, like, the competition as opposed to the shenanigans of the first few rounds that are just, they're just fun by nature because someone's in there being silly, you know? It's like everyone gets to choose who the best singer is, right? So you have all sorts of people who can't carry a tune passing judgment on all these people. And on and on and on and on it goes. See, the reality is, is that we should expect our culture to be judgmental. I'll explain to you why as I get into the message. But as Christians, Jesus speaks right to this. Jesus actually addresses judgmentalism head on. And we all know what he says but yet we are still so prone to being judgmental. It comes so naturally. You know, and then sometimes we want to put the veneer of spirituality or Christianity on it, but yet Jesus 
kind of has us in a sleeper hold for judgmentalism. And he won't let us go until we stop. And so in this series, this really series, we're going to go back over once again Jesus' teaching on judgment. I call this message, hey, don't judge me. Because judgmentalism in our culture is on the rise. The church is not doing much better. But Jesus has called us to a more excellent way. And if his spirit indwells us, then we need to own our hearts of judgmentalism. We need to commit them to Jesus and we need to ask him to lead us in the way of everlasting. To chart a new course for our lives. We have no control over everybody else. We have enough to handle with ourselves, don't we? Turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 6. We're going to be looking at verses 37 to 42 primarily, but we're going to be jumping around. Now, Luke 6 is the Sermon on the Mount, but in Luke's gospel. Now, scholars always argue whether it's the same one, whether it's a different one. You have to remember that Jesus was not a pastor of a local church. What that means is if I came here and every week I told you the exact same message from the exact same scripture, you guys would be looking for a new pastor, I'm sure. You'd say, come on, doesn't Pastor Daniel, doesn't he have another message to give? But imagine if I stood up here, like we just did Genesis on Wednesday night. Can you imagine if I went next Wednesday and gave you the same exact text about Jacob separating from Laban and the whole thing? You'd be like, hey, Pastor Daniel, come on. But you got to remember, Jesus was an itinerant teacher. What that means is that Jesus went from place to place and shared. And if you were to read about any of the itinerant teachers, D.L. Moody, the great evangelist, said that he doesn't really have a handle on a message until he's preached it 10 times. And when your ministry is to go from place to place and share with people, you don't have to come up with a brand new message every time because certain messages are just so good that you could just do them over and over and over again, and they're just really great messages. See, the Sermon on the Mount was one of Jesus' main messages, and no doubt we have it recorded in Matthew 5 to 7, we have it recorded here in Luke chapter 6, and no doubt Jesus gave the same message with some variations in a lot of different places. If we were to have a transcript of every single word that Jesus said, I'm guaranteeing we're going to get the Sermon on the Mount in a number of different iterations a million times. Because it's one of Jesus' main teachings. So in Luke chapter 6, verse 37, look at what it says. Judge not, and you shall not be judged. Condemn not, and you shall not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down shaken together and running over will be put into your bosom. For with the same measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. And he spoke a parable to them. Can the blind lead the blind? Will they not both fall into the ditch? A disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone who is perfectly trained will be like his teacher. And why do you look at the speck in your brother's eyes, but do not perceive the plank that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, brother, let me remove the speck that is in your eye when you yourself do not see the plank that is in your own eye? Hypocrite. First remove the plank from your own eye and then you will see clearly to remove the speck that is in your brother's eye. How many of you have heard that before? 
But you know what we learn? That repetition is the greatest teacher. Isn't it? Keep repeating something over and over and over again. And eventually it seeps down in there. Now listen, like I said, our culture may be critical, judgmental. But as Christians, we see the simple teaching of Jesus and we take it at face value. Judgment should be the farthest thing from the church. Now, I think there's really two types of judgment that exist in the church. One is the way we judge each other within the church. Camps within the body of Christ who don't like each other or don't like what each other does. And so there's all this bickering and judgmentalism. And then there's also the judgment that as Christians, we have for the outside world. People who are not Christians, right? Then, of course, there is the judgment that we receive either from our brothers and sisters or from the world at large. So I want to try and address this. And my prayer is that we'll hear it with virgin ears. We'd allow something that is so normal that we've heard so many times to hit us afresh like it's the first time. So that God may help all of us to grow. Because the reality is being judgmental comes very natural to all of us, doesn't it? Every single one of us, we have a bent towards judgment. I'm going to show you why. I want to begin with this reality that judgment is an irrational disposition of the heart. Judgment is an irrational disposition of the heart. Now, judgment is a disposition of the heart. I want to do that first. And then I want to move to the why it's irrational. Okay. Judgment is a disposition of the heart because we know, and if you were to read the rest of the Sermon on the Mount, that Jesus almost automatically gets into that you will know a tree by its fruit. Which means that when Jesus asks us not to judge, he's not asking us to suspend our ability to reason. He's not asking us to cease being men. You stop using our critical powers like we're just mere animals. He's not asking us to do that because we know that we're supposed to discern a tree by its fruit. But there is a difference between judgment and understanding and discerning the fruit of a tree. And the difference is, is what's in our hearts. See, being able to judge fruit or discern fruit and come to judgment, either way, the same outcome has come to, but it's the motivations and the desires of the heart that make it either be judgment or simply, I'm just seeing what this is. So the ability to judge is a disposition of the heart. Now, why is it irrational? Why do I say it's an irrational disposition of the heart? Simply because God has not given us the judge's seat. God has not given us the judge's seat. If you were here when I did the message on Christian liberty from Romans 14, I have four verses from Romans 14. So we saw this already, but I want to read them to you again. Romans 14, I have verses 4, verse 10, verse 12, and verse 13. Romans 14, 4, 10, 12, and 13. Listen to this. Romans 14, 4. Who are you to judge another servant? To his own master he stands or falls. Indeed, he will be made to stand, for God is able to make him stand. Why is it irrational? Because we're judging another servant. 
And that's not our job. It's like you trying to do an evaluation on somebody else's employee. You don't know the other culture. You don't know what they're going for. So nobody does. It's irrational. Listen to verse 10 of Romans 14. But why do you judge your brother? Or why do you show contempt for your brother? For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. See, it's irrational because Jesus sits in the judge's seat, not us. And we have to remember that. It's Jesus' judgment, not our own. Listen to verses 12 and 13. So then each of us shall give an account of himself to God. Therefore, let us not judge one another anymore. But let us resolve this, not to put a stumbling block or a cause to fall in your brother's way. See, judgment is an irrational disposition of the heart because we're making the mistake of thinking that we are God. And isn't that what the fall of Adam and Eve was all about? Satan came and God gave them a great blessing. You can eat of every tree, all of them. He gave them total liberty except for one prohibition. Don't eat of that tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Great opportunity with one small restriction. And Satan, the serpent came and said, listen, God doesn't want you to eat of that tree because if you do, then you'll be like God. And sure enough, Eve was tempted. She ate. She gave to her husband, Adam. He ate. And they became self-conscious. And the reality is, is that all of humanity, because of the inheritance of the nature of sin that we received from Adam and Eve, we all think we belong in God's place. We have an irrational belief that we are God. And that is why judgment is an irrational disposition of the heart. We are playing out the fall of humanity every time we judge somebody. Because we're saying, I'm God. My opinion, my preference, my presumption is true. And guess what? Every time humanity thinks that they are God, what do we say? Wrong. Wrong. Humanity 101, there is a God and I am not him. That's where rational humanity begins. There is a God and I am not him. So every time we judge, we stand or sit in the place of God. And that is why it's totally irrational. Listen to Luke chapter 18, verses 9 to 14. Jesus said this. Now it says, Also, he spoke this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and despised others. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself, God, I thank you that I am not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I possess. And the tax collector standing afar off would not so much as raise his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Now Jesus says, I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled and he who humbles himself will be exalted. Now, imagine this scene. See, Jesus is watching these men pray. There's a Pharisee, took his religion very seriously, wanted to honor God. 
And then there's this tax collector, the scourge of Jewish culture. He was making money hand over fist on the oppression of the Jewish people by the Romans. And the Pharisee goes up to pray and says, God, I thank you that I'm not like other people. And then he lists all these examples, extortioners, adulterers, good things. Thank God the Pharisee's not like that. So not only wasn't a bad guy, he was actually doing a lot of really good spiritual things. I fast twice a week. How many of you are praying that way? Lord, I fast twice a week, right? We're all saying, "Uh uh-uh. The only thing I'm fasting is food. Fast food. A little burger bill, amen. He's like, look, I tithe of all that I possess. See, the Pharisee's doing good stuff. He's not a mess. He's actually got it all together. But notice his heart's all wrong. God, thank you I'm not like that guy. How many of us are like that in our hearts, though? Lord, I thank you I'm not like those liberals. Or for you liberal folks, I thank you I'm not like those Republicans. I thank you I'm not like those insert whatever your righteousness tells you is wrong. How many of us think that way about people? Let's be honest. We all do. I do. We all do. It's part of the human struggle to value ourselves based on how we dislike somebody else. So the Pharisee, he's got it together. But then there's the tax collector who can't even raise his face to look up at God, beating his breast, saying, Lord, have mercy upon me, a sinner. And Jesus says, that man is the one who gets justified. Why? Because he comes knowing that he just needs the help of God. He doesn't come based on his own ideas of righteousness. Now, don't get me wrong. We want to be, in a sense, like the Pharisee. We don't want to be extortioners or adulterers. And we want to fast and seek God because we love God more than we love our daily bread. And we want to be generous people. But the thing is, is we can be that without his judgment saying, Lord, thank you. I'm just not like that other guy. So even though the Pharisee's got good things going for him, the disposition of his heart is wrong. My pastor used to say, Daniel, sometimes we're so right, we're wrong. And I've always taken that to heart because it's so easy. It's so easy to elevate the good things we're doing and not realize that in elevating the good things we're doing, we're actually judging everyone around us, holding them with contempt in their hearts. Now, since judgment is an irrational disposition of the heart, what we find out is that the judgmental person receives ironic judgment. The judgmental person receives ironic judgment. Now, where do I get this from? Luke chapter 6, verses 37 and 38. Judge not, and you shall not be judged. Condemn not, and you shall be condemned. And then at the end, for the same measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. That's why I say the judgmental person receives ironic judgment. Because the reality is, is that whatever judgment you use, God is going to measure back to you. Whatever ways we set the scales, God is going to take that scale and he's going to turn it back on us. So even though we think that this is the way it's supposed to be, this is the way it's supposed to roll, this is what's right is wrong, whatever your standard is, God is going to take that standard and place it on your life. 
What that means is that every time, and I've heard it said this way, every time you make a judgment in your heart or through your mouth about the way someone's living, it's almost as if God takes a little uh, MP3 recorder, grabs a little audio of that, and then when you get up to stand before Jesus, he's going to play it back for you. Okay, you said this, so-and-so's not generous. Let's look at your lifestyle of generosity. Oh, so-and-so, I hate the way that they dress. Well, let's look at your fashion sense. You know? Oh, those, whatever your political persuasion that you don't like is, they are irrational. Let's look at how rational you've been in your life. Whatever standard we set up, God's going to measure back to us. That's what Jesus says. And you know what the problem with that is? If we're really honest, and one of the things that I've asked God for in my life is, Lord, just make me really honest with myself. You know, Lord, really let me see what's going on in this heart of mine that's so crazy. And one of the things that I've realized is that I want to give myself always the benefit of the doubt. I give myself the most latitude and I give everybody else strict, no latitude. I get mercy, everyone else gets justice, right? Isn't that, we learn that in the Psalms as David is seeking God and seeking, he's like, Lord, I want justice for my enemies, but Lord, have mercy upon me, a sinner. And that is very much our hearts, right? We give ourselves all the grace that is needed and we give nobody else the benefit of the doubt. That's what goes on in my heart. I judge myself based on my best possible motivations and I judge everybody else based on their worst possible motivations. But the problem is, is that when I do that, when I don't give anybody the benefit of the doubt, God's going to turn that right back on me in ironic judgment. It's irony that that happens that way. But it's interesting that God lets each one of us set the table and all of us set the table pretty stringent, a level that we don't live up to even if we try to. So it is ironic judgment. Listen to Paul in Romans chapter 2, verses 1 to 4. And I love the Apostle Paul. I love the way the Spirit works through him. The Apostle Paul is just rough sometimes, isn't he? He just kind of like, it's like a laser beam. Listen to Romans 2, 1 to 4. doesn't mince words. Therefore, you are inexcusable, O man, whoever you are who judge. For in whatever you judge another, you condemn yourself. For you who judge, practice the same things. I mean, that's pretty straight shooting, isn't it? You're inexcusable, whoever you are who judge. For whenever you judge another, you're condemning yourself. So you're without excuse. Whenever you judge, you're condemning yourself. For you who judge, practice the same things. Wow. He keeps going, though. Doesn't let us off the hook yet. But we know that the judgment of God is according to truth against those who practice such things. And do you think, O man, you who judge those practicing such things and doing the same, that you will escape the judgment of God? Saying, look, God judges with truth. If you're judging people and you're doing the same thing, do you think you're going to escape God's judgment? Verse 4, or do you despise the riches of his goodness forbearance and long-suffering, not knowing that the goodness of the Lord leads you to repentance. Jesus is real. Pastor Daniel today encouraged us to take a hard look at how we judge others. 
He reminded us that judgment is a matter of the heart and a matter of who we think has the greater opinion. In other words, judging others causes us to say that we're in the place of God. Hey everybody, Pastor Daniel here. Life can be crazy busy at times. I don't know about you, I can go through the whole day blowing through my calendar and by the end I can think, where did the time go? Did I even spend it well or wisely? Did I pause and take a few moments to reflect on how good God is and how amazing His love is and to pray for those in my life and those around me in the world? Well, I found something that helps me remember. I wear a real leather bracelet all throughout the day. That bracelet catches my eyes and it's a constant reminder of what God is doing in my life and in the world around me. Every time I wear the real bracelet, I'm prompted to pray and to give thanks. And I want to make this bracelet available to you as well. Here's Josh with some more information about how you can get your very own real bracelet. Thanks, Pastor Daniel. Right now, you can help support Jesus' Real Radio and receive a tool that will help you remember the important things. A craftsman at Crossroads Community Church handmade leather bracelets with the word real on them. Like Pastor Daniel, when you wear your real bracelets, you'll have a constant reminder to pray and give thanks. For anyone who supports Jesus is Real Radio with a gift of $25 or more, we will send you your very own real bracelet as a way to say thanks. Remember, your support helps us to do what we do here at Jesus is Real Radio. Check out JesusIsRealRadio.com and click on Partner to join the team and receive your thank you gift. Place a marker in your Bibles and join us next time as Pastor Daniel talks more about the damaging effects a spirit of judgment can have on us and on the people we interact with. Jesus reminds us instead to love people first and foremost. Well, that's all the time we have for today's broadcast. On behalf of Pastor Daniel and the entire production team, we invite you to join us again for the next edition of Jesus is Real Radio. Jesus is real.